Hi, good evening, and welcome back to Corona Radio, brought to you by Hat Radio. It's 1224, folks, on uh, Monday night, and I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'm sure it's been a long day for you, too, but I figured that I would wait until this time uh, to record because so often at night when you're tired, you know, and your walls are down, um, the honesty really comes out. I uh, I think that's what this show is all about and what's required in these times. So why I'm doing Corona Radio, this is show two, by the way, is because I want people to really get a sense that they're not the only ones out there, that they're not the only ones suffering through this difficult time, and that indeed there's something pretty wild that's going on because of the coronavirus and in essence what that is is that it's unifying the world in a strange sort of way i was thinking to myself today that uh here i was in my apartment and i was doing my thing you know i was working on my podcast doing a little painting some cooking some cleaning up all the stuff that we all do nothing really out of the norm And I was thinking to myself, what are they doing in the United Arab Emirates today? You know, what are they doing in the Ivory Coast? What are single people or families doing in Libya? And what are families doing in the UK and Spain and especially Italy, where the country has been locked down now for a few days and where the number of deaths are rising because of the coronavirus? And I figured, you know what? They're doing the same thing that I'm doing. (laughs) They're leading their lives and they're adjusting according to the way that they need to. And after talking to a bunch of my friends and people whom I love, indeed, that was the case. I talked to my nephew who lives in New York City. His wife and their two kids went off to Michigan to be with her parents sort of a quieter environment, somewhere where they feel they can get better medical care should they need it. And he was telling me he went for a 40-minute walk today in Central Park, and then he came home, and he just chilled, and he said he's going to be inside for the next few days for sure. So once again, nothing out of the ordinary, pretty much what I've been doing. And it's pretty much, I'm sure, what you've been doing. That's the thing about this coronavirus that it's bringing out some really, truly scary stuff because we all know that these numbers are going to rise until they stop. Apparently, as they have in China, they started to go down. We don't know if that's true or not. But what we do know is that it stopped us in our tracks. We basically just cannot lead life in the way that we were. And what does that mean? It means we're not going out to restaurants. We're not going out to bars. We can go to supermarkets, but so many of the shelves are empty. Not like they used to be. Life is different. Gas is down. I saw it today for 84 cents. You know, about those shelves, I grew up, you know, hearing stories about the World War and how it affected my family in Toronto and how it affected European families. And of course, two very distinct situations. But at the end of the day, there was a food shortage. And we all heard the stories where, 
people would have to be very specific and be very careful at how much flour they would use in baking, you know, how much bread they might get in a given environment. And you don't think much about it. They're stories. They're compelling. They're inspirational. Very often they're sad. But again, they're not something that we actually experience, certainly not at my age. I'm 59 years old. I've never, ever gone into a supermarket and seen shelves that are basically empty. Now, I shop right over here at Shepherd and Bathurst at Metro, and the place was not empty. I've heard from others that their supermarket basically was a void of really any food. Metro at Shepherd and Bathurst is not. But I went to get my non-perishable goods, my can of uh, tomato sauce, which I really like to put in my chicken, <laughs> you know, and my meat, and it just wasn't there. And I was talking to my guys over there because I've gotten to know a lot of them, and they say, yeah, a lot of the deliveries have been delayed or a lot of them have been canceled. And there you are thinking to yourself, man, those people who work for these distribution centers – Either they're not going to work or they can't get their job done in the way that they were. The food's just not available because it's not coming from the farms or it's not coming from uh, other countries. And so much of our food does come from other places. They just don't have food to put into boxes, ultimately put on a truck and get it over to my metro or get it over to your no frills or get it over to Sobeys. And therefore, we walk in and we're exposed to empty shelves. So in some ways, the coronavirus is an empty shelf bacteria. <laughs> it's an empty shelf situation. And I want to tell you that a lot of stuff that's coming out of this is really, really positive. There's a lot of kindness that's happening because of the coronavirus and it, what it's subject, subjecting us to, which is isolation in many ways being by ourselves or being apart from our friends and family. Um, but yet somehow when I go online, I see all kinds of offers from all kinds of people to really anyone who is in need of anything just to ask. My buddy Dave Nefesh, he's the one who's responsible for creating the Hat Radio song, which you hear every single week on Hat Radio. He posted something a couple days ago. He lives in Southfield, Michigan, and he said, listen, if there's anybody out there who needs something, just let me know, and I'll be more than happy to come and help you out. You know, we, we, we were taking shots at him because that's what we do. <laughs> we're buddies, right? I said, Dave, I didn't know you had that in you. <laughs> Your parents raised you well, my friend. But he was really serious about it, and he was more than uh, ready to go do it, to go help out where, where help was needed. I was really happy to walk to the other side of my hall today and knock on the door and uh, just say hello to my neighbor, Thelma. You know, she's an octogenarian, a lovely human being, very, very active, very full of life. But she's older and she's on her own and her husband passed away. And I thought, you know, I should tap on her door and just see if everything's okay, if there's anything I can do. And we had a very, very lovely, lovely chat. And, and we, we really both expressed the same thing, which was, my God, you know, these are unusual times, are they not? 
And we agreed. But then she said about telling me the things that she's doing to keep herself busy. She meditates. She does. She hangs out with people in the building, um, pretty much of her generation, and they play Scrabble. Uh, they don't really go out, and every single morning they go for a swim at 8 o'clock. So they're able to keep their socialization up within the framework of this building, and it's working for them. Although you can see that it takes a toll on her just like it takes on me and just like it's taking on you. Now, you can imagine what's happening with our doctors and nurses. You know, I have a buddy who is in charge of infectious diseases for the Durham region, and he said that 85 to 90% of his work now has to do with the coronavirus, and he's working around the clock. He's got, he's got a very, very positive attitude. He's always very, very up, and he's always uh, seems to have some time to, to talk. I find that type A personalities are like that. No matter what's going on in their life, they always seem to have some time to schmooze. Could be that they don't sleep very much. Could be that just, they're just so highly efficient with their time. But So I've been talking to, uh, to Michael, and you know he's telling me that it's a very complex situation. And they're concerned, as they should be, about their own safety. These are fathers. These are mothers. These are children. And they're in an environment where, which is called frontline. They're frontline workers. So, you know, they're exposed and they have to do their very best to make sure they do not get the coronavirus. And that doesn't always happen. And we're hearing more and more about that around the world. So I'd like to take this opportunity to just uh, say to our medical personnel, way to go. And thank you so much for what you're doing for all of us. You really deserve accolades, and you really deserve a great big communal hug. You know, so often, especially over the last, I don't know, decade or two, we've really been dumping on our medical personnel. You know, the bubble burst a while back where we don't count on our doctors and nurses as we used to. We don't believe in them as we used to. We don't trust in them like we used to. They don't seem to know as much as they purported to. But here I'm telling you tonight at 12.36 on Monday night, March the 17th, whatever they know, whatever they don't know, they have decided that they're going to choose a career that puts them on the front line of coronaviruses or Ebola or whatever an outbreak happens to be. And that takes balls. That takes nuts. That takes courage. That takes bravery. I don't have it. But there's an awful lot of people out there who do. And if you think to yourself for a second, who do I know who's a nurse? Or who do I know who's a doctor? And what are they doing right now? You know, as you and I are schmoozing, what's their job? It's certainly not packing boxes. It's certainly not fixing a distributor cap under your hood. It's not. It's trying to fix people. It's trying to repair them. And very often these people have been exposed to a virus that is clearly dangerous. But then there's the hopeful side. We're all reading about these high-profile people who have been afflicted by the coronavirus. Uh, Tom Hanks and his wife, who are in hospital in Australia. And apparently they just uh, were released. And now they're going home and uh, they're going to stay there. This is the good news. When we look at the statistics very carefully, we're up around 175,000 people being infected around the world. 
but there's a very, very high percentage of individuals who've gone through it and they've come out of it and they're okay now. As to what happens next, we don't know. We don't know. A question was asked when someone gets the coronavirus and then they make it through and they're okay. Can they get it again? Well, we don't know. We're hoping for the best. But the good news is a lot of people who have been infected are coming out of it. And we have to hold on to that very tightly and very, very dearly. It's extraordinarily important that we look at the positive in all of this. It really is. There have been worse times in history. Of course, there have been better times. But as I said in show one of Corona Radio, we live in magnificent times. While this is not the worst that we've gone through, in the history of person kind, it is the best time having to do with medical care, medical know-how, understanding of science. I just took a look at an article of uh, various different potential cures that are being tested on human beings in Israel, and they listed about seven or eight of them. That's just Israel. There's stuff which is going on here in Toronto at Sunnybrook Hospital. There is lab work which is going on all over the world. This is magnificent. As we sleep, people are up on the other side of the globe. They're working arduously to find something that's going to help humankind. And you know something? They're going to. They will. How how much destruction is going to happen prior to that? Well, we just don't know. And we certainly hope for the best. But there's a shitload of work which is going on as we speak right now. It's really interesting, too, when you take a look at the world's response to the coronavirus. I mean, essentially what we're looking at is a global shutdown. It comes at different times according to the country. But by and large, the world is just shutting down. Transit is stopping or at least you won't find too many people on the subways, be it here in Toronto or in New York or in Baltimore or in France. Bars and restaurants are closing down. Supermarkets and pharmacies are staying open, but mostly other venues and other outlets are not. Synagogues, mosques, churches are locking their doors. I've been privy to a few situations here in Toronto whereby the rabbi has sent out memos from the synagogues, you know, a few days ago stating, okay, we're going to keep our doors open a bit. We're going to allow people who are saying the mourner's prayer to come in. And if they need to establish their own group of 10 men, this is an Orthodox synagogue I'm talking about, but nobody else. And then a day or two later, another memo comes out. And the rabbi said, with the heaviest of hearts, we've decided that we're going to close the synagogue down entirely. Now, in our faith in Judaism, that essentially means that those people who were saying Kaddish, who were saying the mourner's prayer for their parents with a minyan, they can't do it now. They can't go to synagogue and say that prayer. And you know something that's breaking their hearts? I've was online today and there was this fellow, uh, Ian, who was deeply, deeply saddened by the fact that he he couldn't go to shul, he couldn't go to synagogue and say Kaddish. He said, I've been saying it the entire year, I didn't miss it once. 
It's an arduous process, I know, because I've said cottage from my mother and my father, and you go in the morning, and then you go on later in the afternoon, and when you're there in the afternoon, you stay there for both the afternoon service and the evening service. So essentially, you go to three services a day, and you say Kaddish a number of times. And there's a certain pride that you take in saying it on a regular basis, on saying it every single day. And you'll ask people who say Kaddish, hey, how did you do throughout your year? They go, I did great, man. I didn't miss once. <laughs> you know, or somebody will say, well, you know what? I missed once, but I got some student at the local yeshiva to say it for me. Uh, that That is a success in itself because you feel as though you're doing something for your parents who have passed away, which is very, very special, which is very holy. And now the synagogue is closed down and you can't do it. And for those of you who are a Christian and who attend church on a regular basis and can't attend your church, I can only imagine how challenging that is. And for those of you who are a Muslim and who attend your mosque on a regular basis and People of the Islamic faith, they pray a lot. And then all of a sudden, they can't go. They can't be in a big gathering. You know, we're saying now that the gatherings can only be with 10 people or can only be with 50 people or can only be with 100 people. But they're clearly getting less and less as we go forward. That's tough. That's a holy challenge. So what I say to those people is hang in there, man. You know, the old uh, saying is God is everywhere. <laughs> Uh, if you can't go to shul, if you can't go to church, if you can't go to your mosque, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, if you're Zoroastrian, if you can't go to your place of prayer, you know what? Do it at home. I'm pretty sure God's going to hear you. I'm pretty sure. Do it with uh, verve and with zest and throw your heart into it. And I'm sure your parents will understand. There are a lot of challenges nowadays, my friends. Uh, life is not... Uh, like it was a week ago or two weeks ago. It's changed dramatically. And as I said before, it's changing in so many different ways according to what your family structure is about. Can you imagine the single mom who's at home with her child or with her children is not going to work because really it's too dangerous to do so and she doesn't want to bring home the uh, virus or the fellow who's a single dad? Can you imagine that? Think for a second about the people who are out there and what they're struggling with. What about if you're 85 or 90 years old, you know? And again, you're a shut-in, you're on your own. Or you have certain physical disabilities and it's very hard for you to get out and you have people who come and pick you up, but they're not doing it now because they've shut down, because they've been told to do so or they feel it's the best thing to do. These are real struggles. These are real, real challenges. So what I ask you to do is call upon the kindness that rests inside of your heart. Call upon your creativity to figure out ways and means of turning this time into something which is magical, which you'll remember always, that one day when you sit down and you talk to your children and your grandchildren, your friends, about those days, I remember those days, man, when the coronavirus was happening, and they're going to say, yeah, what do you remember, Grandpa? <laughs> you know, What do you remember? And you're going to be able to say, I'll tell you what I remember. I remember jumping in my car every day, picking up some loaves of bread at the supermarket and doing a tour of my neighborhood where seven older people live who were unable to go out and dropping off bread for them or dropping off soup for them or dropping off vegetables and fruits for them. That's what I remember. 
I remember people calling me or emailing me and saying, listen, how are you doing? I know you have a heart problem, and I'm just wondering if you're doing okay. I do have a heart problem. I have, I've had three heart attacks, and I'm a little bit worried, but people are asking me all the time, how am I doing? Regularly. Regularly. Every single day I'm getting that question. And I know what they're saying. I know what's behind it. It's like, are you doing okay? Is there something I can do for you? And it's times like this where I feel that I am part of one world. My friend Stephanie just came up with a poster for Corona Radio, and I, I posted it up on Facebook and essentially says we are one world. And that's what we're taking out of this. The only other time in life where we feel like we're one world is when we're at war. We're all fighting. You know, we're all disagreeing. We're, we're, all, we're all at each other's throats. Wow, this one world is aggressive. But now we're one world, and we're one world fighting the same fight, a little bit different than a war. We're fighting a bacteria. We're fighting the coronavirus. But we're doing it in a way that there's unity and kindness coming out of it. And we have great, great potential to bring the standard of goodness and kindness up in the world during the coronavirus and to remind ourselves of the greatness that lies inside of us. And there truly is inside each and every one of us. Well, you might be arguing, yeah, but what about those people who never care about anybody else? You don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea what people are doing for others in times like this. The old adage, don't judge a book by its cover. It is so very true. But the real thing here is, what are you doing? What are you doing to make other people's lives better? Are you cognizant of the needs of others? Are you aggressively going out there and trying to find out who you can help? Do that. Do that. Go online. Post a request like David Neffish did in Detroit, Michigan. Ask people, is there something that you need? Can I do something for you? People say, well, it makes me feel so much better, you know, when I do something for someone else. It does, but it's a lot more than that. It runs a lot deeper than that. It brings our world together in a way which is reflective of the peace that we are always talking about, the peace that we always want. When we sit at our tables on our holidays, whatever our religion is, whatever our beliefs is, and say, you know what, next year in Jerusalem, what are we saying? We're saying is we want this world to come together as friends with kindness, with decency, to do for others, and they should do for me, to give and to take. That is the potential through the coronavirus. That is the potential that we have right now because we are challenged by something very difficult. God bless all those people who are sick right now. God bless our medical personnel. Rest in peace, those people who passed away from the coronavirus. Thank you for coming our way, as my friend David says. And most importantly, please remember that this will end Gamzuya Avor, this will pass and we will come out of it. And when we come out of it, let us have the opportunity to say that we did something very special in these most difficult times, that we were there for others, that we opened our doors, that we opened our windows, that we heard the cries of others, we heard the needs of others, that we understood what it means to be a stranger, that we recognized that there are some people out there who simply cannot get in their car, who simply cannot walk to the supermarket and get what they need to get or their pharmaceuticals. We can help them with that. That is why we exist. We exist to make this world shine.
So have a beautiful night. I'm off to bed. It's 10 minutes to one. God bless. We're going to keep doing this Corona radio until we just simply don't need to. Feel free to be in touch at Avram at hatradio.ca. If you think there's something that I should be mentioning or talking about, I'd be more than uh, willing to do it. God bless. Go away. Coronavirus, go away. (laughs) We don't want you no more. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Do something kind for someone today, okay? God bless.